Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Good morning, everybody online. Thank you for joining us um, in these kind of crazy, still a little uncertain, crazy times. Thank you all for being here this morning to worship with us in person. We're here every Sunday. And uh, please let us know if we can help you answer any questions, if you need help. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of folks kind of that are sick right now, and this thing just kind of blowing through and everything. So I want to just, as we launch into a a new series, the beginning of 2021, I just want to take a little moment and pray for us. Pray for anybody at home. You know, the scripture, Jesus addressed people according to their faith. He said, according to your faith, it will be done for you. So I want to pray long. If you're at home right now, or if you're here with us, obviously, and you're struggling, you know, your household's struggling, and it could be, I want to pray for two things. One, just flat out healing. Lord, strengthen this time in protection. Secondly, something even worse, right, and tougher, which is fear. And, uh, and if, if, you're, if you just want freedom from those things, I just pray you'll join and you all will join with me in, uh, in this as we just launched this year. We trust our Lord. He's faithful. He calls his people to be a house of prayer, a house of healing, right? The word to operate with faith means we step into things and we uh, apply our faith, call upon God to do great and mighty things uh, among us. So um, if you want to join, if you're watching online, um, or if you're here, with you here, let's just go before our Lord. Father, we come to you, your great and glorious and awesome God. And Jesus, as we read and we, we walk with you, we understand, Lord, that, um, Lord, you never turned anyone away. Lord, the woman who came and just had to grab your cloak, she needed healing, Lord. Um, those who were, were bound up in fear, Lord, that you said, come to me. Your arms are wide open. Anyone who's weary, heavy laden, I'll, I'll give you rest for your soul, And uh, Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, for those out there reaching out to grab healing, Lord, and strength right now, wherever they're at, or for a family member or for a friend, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, stretch out your healing hand, God. We ask you for your mercy, Father, over those that are struggling with sickness and COVID and everything. And Father, I pray for those who are struggling, Lord, with their faith and this battle of fear. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, rest for their souls, strength, knowing that you will never leave them or forsake them. Lord, you're a mighty God, Lord, and we stand upon your promises. Father, strengthen your church, strengthen your people to be a force, Lord, of joy, a force of help, a force of faith in these times, Lord, to reach out and minister, Lord, to the many who are struggling. Lord, we just trust you now. Give us ears to hear. Open up our soul, Lord. Holy Spirit, bring the power of your word this morning deep within us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church, let's, uh, let's heed what the command of, of God is to us, to be people of faith, right? To move towards the storm, to move towards the problem with faith and strength and love, um, especially in these times, and to minister to each other. And realizing that everybody's on a different journey in this, these crazy and certain times. But boy, let's reach out. If you're out there, please, if you need help, it could be a phone call, it could be a Zoom call, right? Whatever. But we are gathering and we have um, different, different opportunities that we're going to talk about a little bit even this morning as we kick things off. I'm going to jump right in. We're starting a new series, very excited about discipleship. 
I believe one of the things that God is doing in his church in America is he's pulling back kind of the entertainment, pulling back all the fluffiness and getting back to, he desires his church to back to the basics, back to what he called us to. His command in the Great Commission was to go and to make disciples. And that's not just for a, a few people. That's anyone who follows Jesus, anybody who knows Jesus and wants to follow him is, is to make disciples. And what does that look like? We're back to the basics on this, and I believe this is an incredible opportunity that we have as a church to be able to um, step back and get back to really the very essence, the basics of what it is to be God's people, to be his church, and to what does it learn to, to mean to make disciples? What is that to be a disciple, to be discipled, and then to make disciples? What does that look like? And so we're going to spend a, a several weeks just diving in on this issue of discipleship. The tagline, Grace, Growth, Growth Things, if you've been at Crossroads, you know that that's kind of our values. That's our, our tagline here at Crossroads, Grace, Growth, and Greater Things. Um, that wasn't just kind of picked out of the sky. Those three words, that is a progression. That is the progression of discipleship. We see that Jesus modeled for us in Scripture is that we meet God first by the grace of God, and then he calls us to walk with him and to grow, to become like Jesus and to follow him. And finally is that he calls us to minister with him under the power of the Holy Spirit, greater things. He said in John 14, you'll do greater things. In other words, as you minister uh, along with me in partnership for the world. So that is the course of discipleship. And uh, who doesn't want those things? Who doesn't want more of God's grace and to experience what that really is, right? This earth-shattering thing that you can only find in Jesus nowhere else in the world. And who doesn't want to grow, right? And who doesn't want greater things for their life, right? These are the, 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 the essence of the good news of the gospel, right, of Jesus Christ. We're going to dive in this morning in John chapter 10, so if you want to follow along this morning, we're going to be in verses 22 through 30. If you know of John chapter 10, you know this is the Good Shepherd chapter. You know in verse 10, 10, says that the thief comes to kill. Jesus says this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to bring life and bring it abundantly. There's a spiritual battle going on. There are wolves. There are influences. There's a darkness over this world that is after your soul is that for too long in America, we've kind of just stayed blind to this idea and just kind of uh, haven't been engaged in, in the war for our souls and for the souls of others. Jesus made it crystal clear. The entire Bible makes it very clear. There is a real enemy of our souls. And in this fallen, dark world, right, there are things constantly that are pulling our attention away, right, from uh, what God has for our souls, for real healing, to distract us, right? And, um, and there's <clears throat> wolves and other things that will snatch us, keep us away from finding our rest in God. And Jesus defines that, right, as the enemy of our soul, to kill, to steal, and destroy. Uh, those are some pretty rough things, right? And, uh, boy, I just want us to, to as before we get into the, to, uh, John 10, just kind of, I, I, um, we watched the... Uh, um, the Narnia series. Anybody seen C.S. Lewis's, you know, the, all the Narnia series, The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, and you know, put it into some movies. And, um, and Lewis, he defined Narnia, um, he defined it this way, always winter but never Christmas. And I really started thinking about that. Folks, that's where we're at right now. Aspen, Colorado is always winter but never Christmas. That defines a soul that is unsure 
about where, whose they are and where they're going. It's in a state of winter. It's in a state of darkness. But never Christmas. Can you imagine going through winter, and we kind of almost did this one, where Christmas kind of slipped in, right? you imagine going through winter without Christmas? Think about that. Yeah, <laughs> right. But that's how Lewis described the state of, of a person's soul that is unsure of God. There's no hope. There's no real assurance of life after death. There's no real life, right? It's just um, darkness, coldness. Everybody's consumed with a little more Turkish delight, right? I just want a little more of that stuff, and that'll keep me going. Just a little more Turkish delight, just a little more of what the world has to pep me up. And, I, and I'm going to be just fine all along, never really concerned that I, I'm really never experiencing Christmas, right? Chris, Christ Mass, to know him, to be connected relationally with God and with Jesus himself, right? And so this morning, I'm going to use, build upon that theme and talk about releasing souls from winter without Christmas. Folks, that, that is the state of our souls from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Derek mentioned even during the worship, Adam and Eve, when they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what? Winter set in. And that's what Lewis described when winter, everything's frozen over. There is no life. There's no hope of spring. There's no hope of Christmas. It's just winter. It's darkness. Fallenness. Separation from God. A lot of uncertainty about the big issues in life, heart issues in life. Is, um, and the beauty about this is, is, that, uh, is that God didn't leave us in winter without Christmas, right? He sent his son right on a rescue mission right, to come and to bring Christmas, to bring Christ's mass, to bring right, the presence of Jesus to crack the ice, of people's souls, right? To melt the hearts of people who are hungry for God, who, who, who are awakened and, and want more than just a little more Turkish delight and the things of the world and, and, and people who are honestly concerned about their souls and their hearts and what's really going on in life. Jesus came to bring life and it says to bring it abundantly, right? To bring it abundantly. And so... Let me, um, with that said, let me just read for us this morning, John 10, verses 22 through 30, and I want you to pay attention to the setting here. It's winter, and we'll, uh, we'll break this down. At that time, the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah, took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. And so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep. They hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep 
They hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Couldn't get any clearer than that. Right? So Jesus, it's, it's December. It's winter. And, and just the, the, the context here, it's Hanukkah. Now, anybody know the context of Hanukkah? Maybe you never even knew it was in the Bible. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. It wasn't one of the Old Testament feasts because Hanukkah didn't come about until about 167, 164 B.C. Um, during an uprising <clears throat> among the Maccabeans to, uh, uh, right, to push back the oppressors um, and the Romans in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. And they restored worship in the in the uh, temple again, it talks about the lights. And uh, so if you have Jewish friends, the, 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 the candle that's lit, and there's some beautiful history about the restoration of the temple and worship in the presence of God. It's wonderful. And, and obviously the Jewish, Jesus is celebrating Hanukkah. He's in the Psalms. Um, it's December. And, and John defines and sets the tone here. It was winter. And Jesus was walking, so obviously it was cold in Solomon's uh, colonnade, and it sounds kind of like it was just kind of vacant and cold, right? But Jesus is walking. He's not sitting and teaching. He's walking. And you have this picture almost of the Jews here who surround him, almost like a gang. It's dark. It's cold. Jesus is walking, and and, and this gang of Jews just kind of surround him like a gang and start throwing questions at him. Come on. Just trying to catch him. It's dark. It's winter. And then Jesus obviously engages them and, and it says some of the most powerful, intimate language of understanding who are his, who actually hears his voice. Now, I, I just want to blow up our context here for something beautiful. Is this is a picture, and I believe John, because like he uses in the Gospel of John, he uses light, he uses darkness, he uses all kinds of themes to, to set a tone and, and to bring a spiritual aspect to a physical aspect that was going on in the culture. And um, here's what's beautiful, gang, is, is it's winter. And, and you have these Jews who are blind to who they're engaging, in, and they've seen the miracles. They've seen the blind Eyes open. They've seen the lame walk. They go down the line. They've seen the power of God through Jesus. They've seen Jesus' clear identification of who he is. But they are blind. And this shows the desperation of a hard heart where religion can take hold and lies and just flat out disbelief, even when faced with a miracle. It's dark. It's winter. There is no hunger for God. There is no hunger for the word of God. My sheep, they what? They hear my voice. It is winter. And folks, what I propose to us right now is that sets the tone for where we're at right now. What I throw out to you is this is the state of America. It's winter. There's very little hope of real Christmas. It's winter. And there's very little hunger for God. 
It's winter in America, and there's very little desperation for the Word of God. It's winter in America, and it will stay winter until we have a cracking of the ice, until there's a melting of hearts, until God's people, it starts with the house of God, right? Where there's a real honesty when it comes to the state of the soul and, and the lack of our hunger and, and the real sense of, men. it is winter, it is cold, it is dark, and there is very little passion for God today. But here's the good news. It was winter. Jesus was walking, and uh, he was surrounded by just disbelief. Do you see anybody else come? There's no context here of anybody who's hungry for God. It's just bleak. He speaks about his sheep. Where are they? They're not there. It's winter. It's dark. There is no hunger for God. That is the American church. I'm going to lay it out. Where's the passion? But folks, you see, there's... Revival in the air. There is this spark that has to take place. Just like in Narnia, where the melting of the ice started going. Little butterflies started being seen here and there. There was a few, a small few, who were willing to step into it and seek something greater and to call out for God to move. Folks, just a few months later, here's the context, here's the hope. Solomon's colonnade. It was winter here. It was dark. There was disbelief. There was actual anger. And, and as you read on the context here, they picked up stones, began to stone Jesus. Right? Hatred towards the king, the savior of the world. Persecution. Right? The things of God. I, I don't think I have to tell you. That is where we're at a growing sense of hatred of the things of God, of the things of God's word, what his word says and stands for. But here's the good news. Spring is on its way. And we read a little bit further. Guess what happened in this place, Solomon's portico? It was winter here, but it was just a few months later, right after the resurrection, 40 days after that Pentecost, what happened? is this place was filled with thousands of people who'd been set on fire by the Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and revival had broken out, and it was thousands, innumerable people had filled up this exact same place, praising God and rejoicing in the power of God, right? The ice had cracked. Hearts had been opened up. There was a hunger for God's word. People would stay for hours just hungry to hear the word of God. They worshiped there together and they broke up into each other's houses. They broke bread and took communion and served one another, prayed for one another. The church was birthed and was set on fire and the rest of the world has not been the same since. But boy, how we in our land have, just like Narnia, allowed a winter to take over. Subtly but powerfully and dark. Right? And we need a fresh wind of the Spirit of God to transform winter right, into spring, into revival, into an awakening right, of a hunger again for God's Word. Does that make sense, gang? Mm -hmm. And so I have three questions for us out of this. We're going to focus just on verse 20, 
7 out of this text this morning, as we get into this context of discipleship, I have three questions, and, and these are heart questions, and I just encourage you to take these, these down um, with you uh, and just pursue the Lord on this. Um, and this idea of we have to be honest with our context, our own soul and heart, as well as the context we live in, our community, our nation, as God's people, and to pray. Remember, you're never to be just local. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to the ends of the earth. Our perspective should be what God is doing in my heart and outward to the ends of the earth. That, that should be where I pray, where I, Lord, show me what's going on, right? And to intercede. And so here we go. First thing, my sheep hear my voice. So this is three, this three sections of verse 27. Um, John chapter 10, where Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And here's the question. To keep ignoring our hearts, lack of hunger for the word of God is to keep our soul in winter. Okay? And so I, I just give you that, and, and, and this week to just go before the Lord, at the beginning of this year of 2021, and, um, and again, first we evaluate our own heart and then start praying outward, Lord, please awaken a hunger again. Where is a hunger? I mean, every statistic in America shows that believers don't even know the word of God. The statistics that show how little God's people are in his word today is staggering. And if we think we're going to have a soul that is not in winter, if we're not in the word of God, it's just a flat out lie of the enemy. No, we will have winter without Christmas, right? And we'll keep trying to fluff ourselves up on some Turkish delight or whatever it is or the nostalgia of Christmas time, but never experience Christmas. Never experience, right, the reviving of the Spirit of God inside our souls. So to keep ignoring, right, the, the lack, the utter lack of hunger for God, it starts right here. I have to be honest, Lord, I, I repent. Forgive me for my lack of hunger for your word. Folks, where is the hunger? And I, I say for each of us to evaluate ourselves is, is there a longing? Is there an awakening to understand? And it begins here, Lord, awaken my heart. Awaken a hunger for your word. Awaken it, Lord. And in um, Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable of the seed being thrown out. And he talks about the soil of our heart. And he says, you know, the sower is going to go out. The word of God is go always going out. God is always speaking. The question is, how is it landing? And he says this powerful passage, right? And he, and he goes on, he talks about some fall along the wayside. The enemy, the wolves, come and they snatch it away. Right? There's a thief, right? He says, in this same chapter, right, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? He wants to keep the word of God away from you or the lies towards you that you need to focus on other things or that this can't be trusted or whatever it may be. The other ones, they fall among rocky soil. They sprout up. Oh, they get so excited about this. And it sprouts up, but then what? There's no root. There's no, there's no faithfulness. There's no discipline, and it dies quickly. And so it doesn't bring about fruit. There is no real experience with God. He doesn't, as the song Darius led it in, he, he doesn't become real. Just, just religious. It's just, it's just through the routine. 
And others fall among the weeds and the weeds, the concerns of the world and and the concerns of earthly things. Our mind gets consumed with everything earthly and and, and we lose sight of our soul. We lose sight of eternity. Fruit gone. The final one, if it lands on good soil, it says it'll birth a hundredfold fruit, 60-fold fruit. 30-fold fruit, and Jesus ends by saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. Are your spiritual eyes, ears open to what God is saying? If not, a winter will take over and is taking over in people's souls right now that's lulling them to sleep, and it's a darkness there's only one who can set us free from that darkness. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And so I just, I give you this question. And folks, it begins with, you know, I've just got honest with my own soul. Where's my hunger for God's word? Where, where is it in my life? What does that look like? And folks, Every bit of spiritual growth begins with repentance. It, re- it begins with conviction before God to say, Lord, forgive me. I-, I have been feeding on so many other things. Forgive me for my lack of hunger and passion for your word. God, restore that. Make me hungry for your word. It's a powerful prayer to pray for your children and friends and others. Lord, make them hungry for your word. Make them just desperate as a deer panted for the water. Make them desperate for your word, Lord. Begin with me, God. Right? Otherwise, my soul remains in winter. It remains in a dark coldness. Cold to God. And so how are we going to do this? A couple things. Is that um, some of you have been maybe tuning into the Daily Faith Builders. We're going to end those, leave those with 220. And we're rolling out DAB, which is Daily Audio Bible that Derek has been talking to us about. And I just encourage you, um, as a whole church, what we're saying is we're going to go, we're going to get through the Bible in this year, 2021. We're going to be about that. It's a wonderful app you put on your phone. You can listen to the Word of God every day, 20 minutes roughly. You can listen. Um, and, and in a year, we'll get through the entire Bible. That way, our entire church community, those of you hopefully online, will join in as well is that we'll have a content, we're going to saturate. So the only way is it begins with some discipline. Discipline, hopefully behind that is faith. If there isn't faith, guess what? We are stuck. If we can't get our, our lazy butts moving and to do something, put ourselves in a place for God to speak to us and start with discipline, simple disciplines in our life, guess what? The Spirit's got nothing to work with. It's not going to happen. Winter is going to stay over my soul. And so I challenge, exhort, whatever it is for all of us is no one has an excuse. Do it. Download the app. Every morning, make a point. And if you get behind, don't worry about it. Just move on and fill it in when you can. But do it with faith, right? Not out of a sense of, oh, I was told to. It must be with faith. Otherwise, what? It tells us any decision we make, if it's not by faith, it's sin. It's not going to reap anything good. Is Get the word of God in your soul. In, in just simple prayer, turn that on, Lord, just speak to me. There's going to be things you don't understand. Write them down and engage somebody. Help me understand this. Use it as a context of discussion, right? 
This is going to be one of the primary ways we want to stoke the fire. of. We first just got to get the word of God on our soul, in our ears. Most believers have never read the entire Bible. Let's make that, let's change that this year, right? Let's do it together. And let's have a context of discussion with each other around the Word of God. If you have any questions at all about how to do that, it's DAB, Daily Audio Bible. It's a little red app. Um, you've seen us put it up here before. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, so that's just going to be one of many things. The other way, folks, is, is just engaging each other, is encourage each other with the Word of God. Is get when you're reading something, or if you just know somebody needs, they're stuck at home, they're sick, they're 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 fearful, they're whatever the issue is, they're struggling in, in this in the economic times or the uncertainty, on and on and on. If they're a, a college maid and, and they haven't been able to school, they've lost their high school experience, you know, all of these things. Man, pray, get a word for them. God, give me an encouragement, give me a promise, give me something that I can give them from you to bless them. It's called a word of prophecy. To encourage them, Lord, right? We're to use the word of God to bolster, to build up, right, each other. And so there's just multiple ways that we should be people of the word. Folks, we can't be people for the word if we're not people of the word, right? We first must be people of it, right, and in it. And so let's encourage each other. Let's, as we jump into this year, let's, let's, let's lock arms with each other and help each other get into the word of God and start to stoke this hunger. It's a great question to ask. Tell me, brother, sister, how are you doing? How's your hunger for the word of God? And to be honest with you, man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I get into it and there's just this battle that goes on. And I'm telling you right now, the truth of what he says, the thief comes to kill, stone, destroy. As soon as you set your mind to get into the word of God, the enemy is going to be right there. You're going to be busy, distracted. You're going to have a thousand lies, a thousand things going on in your heads why you shouldn't do this or that it's not going to be worth it. Just know it. It's going to be a battle, and you're going to have to engage that battle and call others right to help you with that battle. And so let us know how we can help you engage the word of God and... Um, is this year as we get in and see God do something great and bear fruit, 160, 30-fold fruit by the word of God. That's what God wants to do. He wants to bear eternal, lasting fruit through your life. It is impossible for him to bring about that kind of produce, that kind of effectiveness in any of our lives if we're not people of the word of God, unless the seed is planted, right, and growing, right? Make sense, gang? Let's start there. Second question for us, folks. He says, my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them, Jesus says. Wow, let's sink in on this. And folks, the question or statement I need us to all think about here is without being part of biblical fellowship where we know and we are known, our souls stay in winter. If we are not committed part of biblical fellowship, small group, subship group, larger group, whatever, but it needs to be small enough where we are known and we know others. And this is why we do our microchurches in our community groups, in our discipleship groups. It's because typically in a larger setting is, you know what? No, you don't have time to get to know somebody and somebody else doesn't really have too much time. We, we start that process here. We should model that here. 
But this is why the early church, where they all met to go in a big, huge worship service at Solomon's Portico, then they broke off into smaller groups in the home, and they broke bread together. They had the fellowship of the bread and the wine and, and the communion with one another, and they, they got into the Word of God, and they got into each other's lives. They knew each other. And the way that God knows us as his sheep, the way we know God it happens horizontal and vertical together. God uses the context of Christian fellowship, right, for us to grow in intimacy with him. It doesn't just happen alone, me alone with God. It, it, the, the context God has for it is the family of God, brothers and sisters, encouraging each other, knowing each other, and being known. Now, this is powerful. Jesus says, I know them. In other words, that the only way that I can be known, now there's two things here. Number one is that God is sovereign and he knows the thoughts and intentions of everybody's heart. That's what he'll judge us by. Ultimately, is the motive of our heart. That only God can see, not man can't see. Outside might look great. Inside is corrupt. Guess what? God will deal with that. Right? But this kind of knowing is personal, intimate, family knowing, eternal knowing. And for me to be known by God, and we see this all in the scripture, is that Enoch, what? He walked with God, and he walked right into heaven. We know that in the midst of spiritual warfare, when Paul was, was battling in Ephesus, is that the, when the demonic Rome was exposed, and, and, and they said, look, we, we know who Paul is in the spiritual realm. He's known. We don't know who you are. And what about Daniel? I love this. I was like, Lord, I would love that. The angel comes to Daniel who'd been praying and fasting just his heart and the word of God. He, he was just connected to God in a very rough situation. And over and over again, as the angels came to him, oh, Daniel, you who are beloved in heaven. Wow. Wow. To have that kind of confidence that you are known by God. You're his child. If he saved you, he knows you, and he wants to know you at a larger, more intimate level. And that happens only, let me tell you, you can't be known by God, have that kind of intimacy with God, if you're not willing to be known by others. If you, if I, am not willing to be vulnerable with others in small group and to be known, lay it all out, here's who I am, ain't going to happen with God. Does that make sense, King? Huge problem in the church today. The majority of people sitting in pews are not known by anybody else. People's greatest fears, really what's going on, the authenticity of really what's happening in their life, in their soul, how they really feel, nobody knows. And their soul will stay in winter. They can sit in church. I'm telling you, here's the problem in the American church. We bought this lie that you can show up at church decade after decade your entire life and never be known and never be known by God because you haven't been willing to step forward into a discipleship context, into a smaller context, right, where you are known and you know others. Genuine biblical fellowship. Where people know our hearts, it's laid out there, we pursue each other, we encourage each other, we journey together, and we ask God to come and do great things and form us right into his likeness. And guess what? He uses you in my life to do that, he uses me in your life to do that. 
That's the context of spiritual growth. That's the context of knowing. And here's the reality, gang. Is there, most people, if you get them you know, alone and you're talking deeply, everybody wants to be known. And this is the toughest thing with our young generation that's so dialed in with their identity of trying to be known, posting this, posting that. Here's my identity. Is It's coming from a heart that desires to be known and have some significance out there. It's just this getting the opposite. It's just winter. A false sense of community, a false sense of knowing is taking over and it's bondage and darkness. Not a true sense of genuine community where someone is known and in the process of being known is known by God. Right? Where this Christian fellowship should always spark us vertically. It should always, and it's not, let me just tell you, it's not church. It's not genuine Christian fellowship unless there is a vertical movement. Unless there's a movement of, man, I met with God. He became real this morning. I felt his touch. Or if I'm in a small group, one of our community groups, our microchurches, our discipleship group, where I, wow, I was convicted of God. The Spirit of God came in. He, he moved. He's changing me. He's, he's lining me up with his word. And, and I have brothers and sisters praying for me, holding me accountable and pushing me on. Vertical. Moving me to this intimate gnosis, this intimate relationship of knowledge. Not just head knowledge, but genuine knowing of God who I am, and a deep security of resting that he knows me. I'm his sheep. I'm, I'm one of him, his. All right, last one. And they, they follow me, Jesus says. They hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. Now, listen to this carefully. To focus on inviting Jesus into our lives to improve our lives rather than rule our lives does not release a soul from winter. All right? This is the American context. We have given a weak, lame gospel for too long in America for the church. We have invited people to Jesus with this soft sell of he's going to improve your life. He's going to bless your marriage. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And, and all along, we should be calling people to come and die. Jesus says, you can't follow me unless you deny yourself. Pick up your cross every day and follow me. Unless you love me more than all these others, your own family, you cannot follow me. That's the gospel. That is not the gospel. That is not the call to Jesus that has been preached in America for decades now. We've given a therapeutic, wimpy, moralistic gospel out there that leads people to say, come, Jesus, what do you got for me? What kind of goodies you got for me? You're going to improve me. You need to make me a better self. You need to improve my life. Right? Folks, Jesus... (laughs) He is the Lord, he's the Savior of the world. To be saved means that he is invited into your life. We confess him as the Lord and Savior of our life to reign and rule our life, to sit on the throne of my heart. Not to be my therapist, but to be my king. And there will be no release from winter unless he becomes king. Unless he reigns and he rules in our life. In the course of discipleship, this learning 
how to help each other let Jesus reign and rule in my life. Not to sit around and say, oh, man, I need, I need this. Pray for me that Jesus will do this for me and do that for me. Hey, all that's going to handle itself, but at the core, it is, are you going to reign in my life? Am I going to submit my life to your word? Am I going to submit my entire body, my physical body, to holiness, to what God calls me to? If not, you're playing games with God. Winter will remain over your soul. He will never be real to you until he reigns in your life. So, I think for all of us, we need to evaluate this. Wow. Is my context of coming to Jesus as a little checklist? Do this for me. Do that for me, Lord. Like Like a Santa Claus. Give me this little gift. I need that. I need that. Or is it reigning king? Rule in my life. Where in, in the proof that we're so far off the mark is where's the repentance, genuine repentance in the church today? Show me anywhere, any church, I don't care what denomination is, where's the brokenness, where's the repentance that we see is required for following Jesus? Where's the brokenness about how I have not honored God with my body? Where's the brokenness where I have not honored God with my thinking? Where's the brokenness that I have not hungered after God and allowed him to reign and rule? Where's the brokenness where I've played games with God? I've tried to make him my little gift giver rather than the king and the ruler and the glorious God that he is. Until repentance, there is no cracking of the ice. Until genuine repentance takes place. And the other thing we've done in the American church is we've allowed people to come think that they're believers, that they can accept Jesus and follow Jesus without genuine, radical, broken repentance in their life. Setting aside the old way of life and bringing myself submitted to the word of God. I don't come to God. and We've created this idea, this Christian walk where I can come to him. Ah, Yeah, I like that one. I don't like that one. God, I'm going to come to you on our agenda. It's an affront to the holiness of God. And the winter without Christmas will remain. Winter without Christmas will remain until there's repentance. And folks, we know God's moving when repentance hits his church again. No revival, no great movement. Pentecost. What happened when P, the first day of Pentecost, at the Solomon's portico, thousands gathering together, hungry, crying out for God, and Peter stands up and, uh, and gives his first sermon, this, this fisherman made into a mighty man of God, right, by the Spirit of God. What must we do? What did he say? Repent. Turn back to God, away from playing games. Folks, there's so much unholiness in the church today. How can we be an example of joy and godliness to the world when we're playing games? Repent. Get our lives straight before God. Otherwise, guess what? Leave. Be part of the world. I say that with all this in me. If we're not willing to, we should leave the church, and be a part of what we want to be, which is the world. The only way to be his sheep is to repent. And Lord, please, come start with me. Folks, the only way for us to crack out a winner, for that to take over, that's called revival. It's called the Spirit of God moving. 
It's called making people feel very uncomfortable in their pew and seat. Churches never, preaching should never, if, if you feel comfortable, and if you get all warm and fuzzy, that ain't the gospel. That ain't the holiness and mightiness of God. That's your flesh. And that's winter and the deceiver. Church should be one of squirming. Every one of us should be squirming. Every one of us should be laid bare before a holy God and be concerned about God. What are you doing? I want to be right with you. That is what church is. Never should it be one about tickling ears, feeling all fuzzy-dovey, and wasn't that just great this morning? You'll stay in winter. You'll stay in winter. Right? And so, folks, just the last thing, and Derek, you can come on up here, is um, we have to get honest with what it is to be a sheep. My sheep. You're a sheep. In God's eyes, you're a sheep. We're all sheep. And folks, that's the beginning of repentance, isn't it? We're not a goats. Goat goes and does his own thing. Sheep stays in the herd. And we're just, bah, we're just helpless. <laughs> we're helpless. We need a defender. We need a shepherd. We can't make it through life on our own. And let me say, there is no following Jesus if I think that I can do this on my if I don't, if, if I can figure out life on my own, if I'm comfortable just doing my, the, my thing, is there is no following Jesus. Right, that'll be the wolf. That will be the, the fake shepherd right, that will take hold. That will be winter that takes over right, in, in our lives. The other thing we have to get serious about is when he says that... Um, I give them eternal life and they will not perish. It says the same thing in John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes shall not. Well, why, why do we not take that serious anymore? There's a big difference between dying and perishing. Everybody physically dies. But you know what? Some people, if they know Jesus, they'll never perish. They'll be resurrected. But the only other option here, folks, is perish. And that means if I don't know him, and I breathe my last, I perish. And folks, we got to get serious on what that means. That means eternity away from God. And much worse, according to Jesus' own words in the New Testament. And why have we gone so soft on that? Because guess what? Winter has moved into America. We're scared to talk about the consequences of not obeying God. And as long as we're more concerned about pleasing the world and people and, and not making somebody feel bad about eternity, guess what? Winter will stay on, right? We must be serious about eternal life and the consequences of rejecting Jesus, right? So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, start with me. Lord, crack the ice, Melt the hearts. Open the ears. Where's the hunger for your word, God? Where's the passion among your people? Where's faith rising in the midst of a fearful land of darkness? Oh, we need your help. Let's be your people to restore, restore spring. Lord, restore life, warmth, 
realness of your presence, Lord. Lord, restore to your people, Lord, a desire, Lord, to follow you, to listen to you, to be known by you. Come, Holy Spirit. Only you can do it. Only you can revive us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. For your glory, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.